snappers. Now is, in fact, the time. If you want to support the storytelling that you love and get great stuff in the process, just go to snapjudgment.org because we're about to rock the Snap Mother's Day special. I want you to go ahead and do it for your mama. Do it for your auntie, your nana, your granny, your abuela, your neighbor lady, your mother-in-law. You're going to feel better. And your mama, she's going to feel better too. Become a patron of the show at a level that makes sense to you and make your mama proud. Snapjudgment.org From Snap Judgment's underground lair in WNYC Studios, welcome back to Who's Your Mama? Part 2. Our next story, it starts off with a little boy who grew up in rural England. And his mom, she always told him about his heritage. He learned that he descended from Scottish royalty. He was blue-blooded, true British nobility. Snap Judgment. I'm looking at a photograph that actually I haven't looked at for quite a long time. My mum is kind of looking into the middle distance. My mum was a very beautiful woman. I mean, jet black hair with this huge nose, incredibly beautiful. But you didn't see women who looked like her in, in Dorset where I grew up. And I am looking directly up into the camera. I know that shirt that I'm wearing. It was an orange and brown corduroy shirt covered in little orange and red and brown flowers. It was basically a a flower power shirt. Um, So with my mop of hair and yeah, there's my nose. There it is. It's a lovely big nose with a big conk in the middle and it overhangs at the end. And yeah, it is a it is a big part of my face. So, look, the two of us, it was like we were the two of us together with these huge noses. My mother had learned how to do makeup sometime in the late 30s or early 40s. And my mum used to say, she used to say, here's a little tip for you. Let me tell you this. When you have a really big nose, what you do to hide it is, after you've put on the face powder, you put a little dab of lipstick on the end of your nose. And somehow this does something to the perspective of the nose. As if she expected me to put a a bit of lipstick on the end of my nose. You know, I was at this English school in the English countryside where people had little button noses. I felt ugly because of the way I was teased. And I would come home and uh, it was just me and my mum because um, my dad had left when I was uh, three years old. And I would come home from school and I would be, you know, crying and in a state. And I'd say to my mother, you know, oh, it's terrible. And uh, why do they do this? I'm ugly. I'll never find a boyfriend. You know, Prince Charming is never going to be there for me. And my mother, instead of putting her arms around me and cuddling me and saying, you're beautiful, there's nothing wrong with you, 
My mother would hold me at arm's length and she'd say, when you're 18, you'll have a nose job. It's not a problem. It didn't come from a place that was vile or or had vitriol in it. It came from a place of genuinely saying, I don't want you to look like that. I'd just turned 18 when my mum handed me an envelope and it was an appointment to get my nose done. And I thought, wow, if I have this nose job, maybe I'll, I'll actually be good looking. I was scared, but I thought this is going to be a good thing. I found the letter that my doctor wrote in 1978 to the surgeon and it says um, about Roderick Ian Young. Thank you for seeing Roddy Young, who wishes to have the shape of his nose changed. Personally, I cannot quite understand why, but if this is what he wishes, I can see no reason why you should not proceed. Many thanks for your help, yours sincerely. And the surgeon replies, Thank you very much for your helpful letter concerning this patient who seeks a rhinoplasty. His nose is rather large and somewhat aquiline, with a broad tip. And all of this is out of scale with his stature. His nose can be reduced down in size, giving him also a straight profile. I remember so incredibly vividly waking up from the nose job operation. I wasn't allowed to look in a mirror. It was incredibly frustrating. And then we went to see the surgeon and he took off the bandages and he said, look in the mirror. And I saw this face without a huge nose. And it was an amazing moment. And I remember getting my hair cut and looking in the mirror and thinking, this is as good as it gets. I am 19. I am handsome. I have a great nose. This is the face that's going to find me a man. In, in July 1983, I was having my usual yearly lunch with my Aunt Thea. And she says to me, your mother has never forgiven me for telling you what you're not supposed to know. And I sit there in this dining room where we're having lunch and I think, she thinks she's told me some family secret, but she hasn't. What is it? And honestly, it went through my mind. I'm like, you know, I'm the illegitimate child of the Duke of Edinburgh, the, the, the Queen's husband, I'm something amazing. And then, in this silence, two things go into my, come into my mind. One is, when I was 12, I was walking along a beach with Thea. And I asked her about my mum's family. So I look at Aunt Thea and I say, 
do do you mean about about Granny being partly Jewish? And Thea said, what do you mean partly? My mother was Jewish. And I said, "Um, grandfather? Yes, of course, says Thea. My parents were Jewish. Your mother and I were raised Jews. And I realised at that moment that everything my mother had told me was a lie. A made-up family tree. Everything. Everything. I got quite drunk. I got hold of a Yellow Pages, a phone book. This is the old days, remember, 1983. And I looked up S for synagogue. And I ran to this synagogue. Stay with the snappers, because this story, it ain't over. The amazing conclusion in just a moment. Snap judgment. Did you make your mama proud yet? Join Snap Nation at snapjudgment.org. Get great stuff and make Snap Snap. Amazing storytelling doesn't just happen by accident. Snapjudgment.org. From WNYC Studios and Snap Judgment's underground lair, welcome back to Snap Judgment, the Who's Your Mama episode. When last we left, Roderick had just found out the truth about his family's ancestry and had run to the nearest synagogue. The central synagogue in Great Portland Street. I was sweating. I was crying. I didn't know that you don't go to an Orthodox synagogue and, you know, try and ring the bell on a Saturday. But that's what I did. I found these huge doors and I went and, you know, there's no obvious door knocker on the huge door of a synagogue. So I'm standing and I'm timidly knocking on the door. I'm looking for bells and everything is shut up. Everything is dead. And I walked down the street and eventually I arrive at a smaller black door and there is a bell and underneath it says Rabbi Shine. And so that's when I start, you know, leaning on the bell. And the door opens... And then this middle-aged lady appears and says, can I help you? And I said, this is going to sound strange, but I think I'm a Jew and I don't know what to do about it. And the look came over her face of, oh my God, we've got to write one here. And she went to shut the door and I did something that was so unlike me. I put my foot forward into the door so she couldn't shut it. And I said again, I think I'm a Jew and I don't know what to do about it. And before she could say anything else, this man's voice came sonorously from the back of the corridor. Darling, let him in. And it was Rabbi Shine. And I went in down this dark corridor into Rabbi Shine's office and met a rabbi for the first time in my life. And I sat in front of him and he said, what is all this about? And I told him the story that 
I've told you. And then he said, if she's Jewish, then you need to find out. And the way you'll find out is you will find her parents' wedding certificate. Go away. Find it. Goodbye. And I left. And I was able to find their wedding certificate. I could barely open it because I didn't know what I would find. And there I saw my grandfather's name, the name I knew, Frederick Benson. And then I saw the name of his wife, my grandmother, Julia Siegenberg. Let me tell you, there ain't no Scottish royal family called Siegenberg. And underneath it said, married according to the rites and ceremonies of the Jewish faith in the central synagogue, Great Portland Street. Now, there are many, many synagogues in London. The synagogue that I had run to on that Shabbat afternoon was the central synagogue, Great Portland Street. I went back to that synagogue. I rang the doorbell. Mrs. Shine answers the door. Before, when I had been to see them, you know, I'd been in a, I'd been slightly drunk, I'd been crying. Poor Mrs. Shine, she's, she's looking at me like, oh my God, he's here again. I hold up the certificate and I said, my grandparents were married in your synagogue. And she and Rabbi Shine invited me in and later that week they invited me to my first ever Shabbat dinner. And I was surrounded by their kids, their wonderful kids who were running everywhere and there were songs and there was laughter and there was, in the midst of all this beautiful chaos, there was a kind of silence suddenly in my, in my head. And this is really true, this little voice just said, you're home. I, I, just, I, 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 just, I just threw myself into it. I eventually wanted to know where my grandparents were buried, and I found them. When that wedding certificate was put into my hand, as I said, I was, I was so angry. I really did not want to see my mum. And I went home to my mum and I said, yesterday I was at your parents' grave. My mum said, okay, if you were at my parents' grave, then you know that they were Jews. And I said, yes. Can we talk about it now, Ma? And she said, I'll talk about it with you and no one else. And she opened up and she told me, you know, she'd been um, at a very posh English school in the 1930s. And her father had died very suddenly, age 10. And my grandfather was a practicing Jew. He died my grandmother, who came from a big Orthodox family in the East End of London, she saw this as her opportunity. She wanted my mother to have everything that an upper-class English woman would have. When my mother was 16, the headmistress of the school came into the classroom. In midweek, took my mother out of the classroom and with another teacher, took her down to a church and had my mother secretly baptised, with my grandmother's connivance, of course. And my mother, after that, was raised as a Christian. 
My mother was presented at court to the king and queen in 1937 um, at the age of 17. A lot of people who would not have been shy about saying, of course, you know, Mrs Benson is a Jew. But there would also have been much cruder anti-Semitism in the newspapers, the cartoons. She'd grown up in the 1930s. She had to live with the newsreels of the Holocaust coming through. She told me that every day of her life she looked in the mirror and saw a Jewish woman staring back and she hated it. From her point of view, she gave me the passport out. There's this great quote from Macbeth where Lady Macbeth says, um, unsex me here. And it's like, in other words, take away my female sexual characteristics so that I can act like a man. And I always think of that. It's like, you know, my mum is saying, unjew me here. And when I started to embrace my Judaism, and when I became a rabbi, for her it was the biggest kick in the head. And she used to say, I suppose now you, now you hate it that I gave you a, a nose job, that I spent that money on sending you to a good school so that you could be a Christian. I suppose you're going to throw it all back in my face. So it became very difficult. And to be frank with you, I did start to resent her for the nose job because she had cut the Jewishness out of me. Something physical was cut away from me. And ultimately, much as I love my nose, I would like to be able to go out of the front door and greet the world with the nose with which I had been born. So, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of weird my even talking about this as, as a Jewish nose per se, because, you know, look, the world is full of Jews with faces and noses and skin colours of all different sizes and, and shapes. And that's how it should be. However, if you look at anti-Semitic stereotypes in cartoons, you'll know that there's always the Jew with the huge nose. And I would have people sometimes in synagogue saying, oh, you don't look Jewish. And that would really cut me. And I knew, I felt like going, but if you'd seen my nose, you wouldn't be saying it. I felt like I looked like a Jewish kid and I don't look like a Jewish man. It was heartbreaking. I mean, that was heartbreaking. You know, I, I have to tell you that as my mum started to slightly lose it. Um, she unfortunately got dementia in her mid-80s. She started to loosen up in bizarre ways. And uh, eventually I needed to come back to England when my mum was 82 because uh, I was an only child. And I needed to look after her. Um, and it was difficult between us. And I said to her, Ma, you need to know that I'll be wearing this little hat on my head, this little kippah, which I used to take off when I went to visit her down in Dorset. She said, she said, oh, I remember. I remember Daddy wearing one of those when he went off to church. She said church, but yeah. it was too much to expect to say synagogue. And it was Shabbat, and I said, I will be lighting candles, and I lit candles. And she said, suddenly said, I remember 
my father doing this, lighting candles? She also said, at my funeral, you have promised it will be a Christian funeral. I said, yes. And she said, are you going to want to do some Jewish thing? And I said, no, Ma, because I know that that's against your wishes. And she said, well, she said, oh, well, if you want to do one Jewish prayer, if it'll make you feel better, you can. El male rachamim, shochein bamaromihim. And so at the end of her funeral, I was uh, able to say uh, the Jewish prayer for the dead. And it was an extraordinary moment. Big thanks to Roderick Young for sharing your story with the Snap. And special thanks as well to a dear friend of mine, Mark Oppenheimer. This story is a Snap collaboration with his podcast, Unorthodox. It's by Tablet Magazine. Check out Unorthodox for more smart, fresh, fun takes on Jewish news and culture. The original score and soundscape was by Leon Morimoto, and this story was produced by Shana Sheely. It's that time. Let the people know that if you missed even a moment of amazing Snap storytelling, there is more where this came from. In fact, if you're going camping, if you've got a long drive, commute, or you just need someone to keep you company while you clean out the garage, I'm your new best friend. Get the amazing Snap Judgment Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Snap was produced by the team that always sends flowers. Please send your flowers, cards, and letters to the Uber producer. Mr. Mark Ristich, Pat Basili Miller, Anna Sussman, Shayna Sheely, Leon Morimoto, Nancy Lopez, Liz Mack, Eliza Smith, Taylor Decott, Flo Wiley, and Renzo Gorio. And even though, even though this is not the news, in fact, you could send your mother a picture of the family for Mother's Day, but accidentally send her a picture of just you and the missus, a very special private picture of you and the missus, because even at this late date in the information century, you still don't know how to operate a computer. All that, and you would still, still, not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC. Thank you.